Welcome to the Abundant Leaders Podcast. I'm Tenji, your host, a certified executive coach and leadership developer with more than a decade of experience advising executives, managers, and companies on how to perform at their peak and find deeper alignment and fulfillment. My dream is for all of us to live in the truth and fullness of who we are so that we can have the biggest lives and most fulfilling careers that are possible for us. It is all possible for us. Together, let us lead ourselves, our people, and our organizations with confidence, courage, and wisdom. This is our time to heal and expand, to thrive, and to lead abundantly. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the latest episode of the Abundant Leaders Podcast. And it is awesome to spend this time with you. Thank you for continuing to listen and support my new podcast. I love the people who are coming back regularly, all of you who are following the podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. It's so affirming for me sitting on this side of the mic, looking at my beautiful plant, hoping that this podcast is reaching people. And it is. And I would love your feedback. I know I say it a lot, but I am really curious about your experience um, of the podcast, the kinds of things that you'd love to hear more of, the things you are loving about the podcast, because uh, my love language is words of affirmation. And this speaks to why it's so important to me to know how I'm impacting you, how I'm benefiting you the value behind this podcast and so I'd really love that another way you can show me you know what it means to you is by rating the podcast because I actually really look at my stats and my analytics to see what are you guys really enjoying which episodes are you finding most interesting and yeah I really want this to be a collaborative process to a degree and to integrate you know your thoughts and perspectives so speak to me I'd love to hear from you. To dive into today's episode, I wanted to chat about owning your softness. This is something that I've really struggled with in my career, in my life, actually, because I grew up in a household, and you'll hear me talking a lot about my household and my childhood because it was so formative for me as it is for all of us. I learned so many ways of behaving, what is and isn't acceptable, what will or will not be received well from how I was parented and the responses of my parents and siblings to who I was. And some of these things were affirmed once I was at boarding school, which was the next major environment I was in, uh, both the institution of boarding school as well as my peers that I was studying with. And then the workplace, right? My early career was in a very male-dominant, very testosterone-laden environment. And so much of the way that I oriented myself was really to try and belong, which is what all of us do as human beings. And so, you know, I have felt like, I believe that I've been really nurtured into a more masculine-centric way of relating. So keeping my emotions at bay, not, 
ever showing if I care too much or care a lot or I'm deeply invested trying to protect myself from vulnerability I think we all do that that's not just necessarily male really trying to be you know strident right and um oh go get her go get what I want do what I want really assert but at the same time being punished for that so we'll talk about that in another in another episode because patriarchy has us all in a chokehold but there was a lot about me that came into the world softer and then I had to toughen myself up and it's only been in my self-discovery journey which really started I would say around 35 I'm 39 now so that was about four years ago and I remember going to a life coach going to therapy seeing um, the executive coach didn't play a big role in that but certainly those two really created a space where over time, I became more and more safe in that environment and therefore more and more capable of owning and exploring and accepting who I actually am versus who I think that I need to be so that I belong. I'm taking a little sip of my herbal tea because it's very, it's very nurturing. It's a, it's a rose petal tea that I got from Woolies that I combine with a little herbal mix. So (laughs) it's in theme with the topic we're discussing. It's very like soft and delicate. And so it was only on that journey that I started actually realizing that I had cut off an entire aspect of who I am, which is my feminine energy. I found that energy very threatening. I felt very unsafe in it. I felt uh, sure that I would be rejected by others if I really embody this energy. It showed up for me as a disdain for highly feminine women and women who really displayed traditionally feminine traits and really played that stereotypical feminine role. And I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing, but you know, things like caretaking, nurturing, being a stay-at-home wife, or mom, um, really wanting to get married above all things, prioritizing relationships and family over career. I had disdain for that because it felt soft to me and soft equated to weak, which is what the patriarchy teaches both men and women. Feminine equated to weak. And so for me, because all I ever wanted was to be strong, to feel capable, I really marginalized those parts of myself and threw them into exile because it felt like they would threaten my sense of safety, belonging, and security in my world. And so although obviously, and I mean, my friends and people who know me who listen to this podcast will probably be like, oh, but you're so, I've I've gotten it my whole life. You're so warm. You're so nurturing. (laughs) You're so caring. And I was like, okay, whatever. Because I couldn't see it, right? But it would obviously leak through. But the way that I primarily saw myself and wanted to be seen and regarded was as competent, as sure, and steadfast, and capable, and independent. And the word strident keeps coming up. And it feels like the person who goes and creates their life. 
because a lot of Western culture has also permeated our African culture and has made us really value and prize this, you know, create your own destiny, you know, make life what it will for you. And for me in particular, be independent, right? Um, and how it started really playing out for me. And maybe let me let me go back to something I said earlier, where I said I found my feminine energy very threatening. I found it threatening because it felt to me that I would lose credibility if I came across as soft. Um, it would make me look weak. If I became too collaborative or too yielding, then I wouldn't be standing my ground. I would be a doormat. If I didn't take up space and you know, insert myself and exert myself in conversations, I would be seen as a wallflower. And I would be seen as meek and mousy. And even in a lot of the literature that I was reading, those kinds of traits were always described negatively, right? The word wallflower, doormat, mousy, meek, they all have negative connotations. And yet they are typically feminine traits. But I was also at the same time, so that's that's one layer, right? This is, I'm painting for you the picture of what was going on in my mind. And I'm wondering whether you who's listening, beautiful leader, are recognizing any of this in yourself. Because I can't imagine that I'm the only one. I also grew up in a, I went to Arundel High School in Zimbabwe, which is one of these high schools that's completely female and all the messaging is around be badass, right? You're smart, you're intelligent, you can be and do anything you want in the world. You guys are amazing. You're the smartest and, and we were like the smartest school. And we used to also be a little bit disdainful, some of us, <laughs> about some of the other schools because it's like, no, we're focused on school and, and, and academics and we're going to have bright, shiny careers and we're going to do extremely well. And I love that for a girl child in an African country where that is mainly patriarchal and it's wonderful, right, for us to find our freedom and our independence and to not be beholden upon men for our sustenance. However, it does close off all the beautiful qualities that also are part of being female right? Being caring, being thoughtful, being considerate, listening keenly, um, yielding so that you can make progress and move forward, being more open and receptive. So you're actually receiving information, which makes you actually more analytical. And in that quiet space of reflection, able to offer better answers. There's so many aspects of feminine energy that are really powerful leadership traits, but we are not trained to see them that way. And so there were all of these reinforcing factors. I also idolized my father who, oh my goodness, my father, yo. Um, he just achieved so much, right? But he was also quite, everyone in my family, to be honest, my, both my mom and my dad were very removed from their emotions. And that's because they just didn't have those examples for themselves growing up and they weren't necessarily growing up in the easiest of times. So a huge survival mindset. 
And so, you know, there was a lot of toughen up, right? A lot of tough love in my family environment. My mom, fiercely independent, very much don't ever need anyone. You can become anything. The sky's the limit. Oh my goodness. Like from my mom, I get my badass ballsy. I can do whatever I put my mind to because truly the sky is the limit and even beyond, right? And so I love the positive traits that they've brought me. But the, the shadow of that is that I felt like I needed to be this person in order to have a good life. And I saw and really believed that this softer aspect of myself was weak. So that means I lived the majority of my early life rejecting half of myself. I say half, but who knows what that percentage is, right? Um, I really did reject those parts of myself and like over-indexed for the more masculine traits. I also, at the same time, I don't want to say that everything about who I, who I was and the way that I was operating in the world was fruits of trauma and shape-shifting, right? It wasn't. Because when I look at my MBTI, and I invite you guys to do the same, right? Obviously, explore your childhood and, you know, the environments that you grew up in. But also look at personality tests. I love personality tests because they just paint a more holistic picture about the um, sometimes warring parts of yourself. And the parts of yourself that maybe operate in your subconscious and my personality type is also very outgoing, ambitious, um, achievement-oriented, independently-oriented. Every personality test I've taken shows aspects of these, right? Whether you look at MBTI or you look at my human design or you look at astrology, right? All these things, they always have this picture of duality, for me. So I'm a Piscean, soft, sensitive, very humanitarian, mystical, spiritual, um, very emotional, very in tune and, and like sensitive to energies and generally of a sensitive disposition. And both my sun and my moon are in Pisces. But then my rising sign is Taurus and I have a bit of Aquarius in my chart and, and that's very cerebral. It's stable. So it's Taurus, stable, grounded, um, really material in terms of has a lot of material wisdom, right? How to make money, how to be independent, how to take care of yourself. That kind of energy that you can think of as like father energy, if you think of Taurus as a bull, is really, really grounded and centered. But then, And then I also have Aquarian energy, which is very um, intellectual, right? And about collective well-being of the world, very humanitarian as well, wise um, and really creative from a logical perspective, right? Very, a big logician, right? And so I have that du that duality in me. And then I look at my MBTI and I'm an ENTJ, but I'm uh, on the cusp EI, right? Extroverted and introverted. I'm on the cusp of thinking and feeling, which is very logical and self-motivated, very um, direction and outcomes oriented, very efficient, always thinking about, you know, what does it mean on the bottom line? 
and the practicalities, whereas uh, the F, which is the more feeling side, is very social and thinking about implications on people, right? What does it mean for the collective? How do we um, empathize? How do we move together as a group for the collective well-being versus the individual well-being? And then I'm both a on the cusp <laughs> of a judger and a and a perspector, right? Um, judges really approach the world very directionally oriented, very planning focused, structured, take um, like, you know, taking things off the to-do list, have a very predictable way of doing things every single time and are quite meticulous. But at the same time, I'm also a perspector, which is very open-minded, fluid, adaptable, doesn't really take a linear path, can meander a little bit to get to the answer is more spontaneous, open-minded, curious, very impressionable by the environment versus impressing upon the environment. And so in my MBTI, I've done the test on 16personalities.com that actually shows you the percentage you are on each end. So I have both of these energies in me across three out of the four dimensions of the MBTI. And yet I have largely identified with the more you know, masculine, structured, dominant, what you really think about as corporate culture, those aspects. And they naturally flow in me, right? I'm not forcing myself to be that. I'm over-indexing for those parts of myself. I'm finding more safety. I believe that I'll get more acceptance and belonging and experience less rejection if I operate in those parts. That's what I believed when I was younger. Then if I did on the more feminine, receptive, open, fluid, adaptable, agile aspects of myself, right? And it really took going deep into, you know, my therapeutic journey to start Re realizing and opening up and seeing how much I'd bottled up within myself, right? So it really felt, it was hard for me as much as it was a great coping mechanism and a great, I'm a, I'm a person who, and all of us as human beings look constantly at the environment around ourselves and, and we learn about what will it take to survive and then we adapt ourselves so that we can survive, right? This is what Charles Darwin um, was talking about when he just talked about natural selection, right? And so to survive, to propagate and, you know, thrive in this world, we adapt. And I adapted amazingly to a world that prized masculine energy in the fields because I'm also a very ambitious person. So a big part of where I get my sense of identity and sense of achievement and worthiness is from doing well professionally and achieving a lot, right? And both men and women equally want to achieve a lot, I believe, right? And that's why you've seen this, oh, people call it the blossoming of women. It's not a blossoming of women. Women have always wanted more and always wanted amazing things for ourselves. But as each generation of women has gone out and captured more for females, then it's almost like, oh, wow, women are also as ambitious. Oh, my gosh, women also want to be part of the workplace. Yeah, we too, right? But how do we do that in a way that is actually authentic to who we are? And if you're a male who actually has um, a lot of feminine energy, which all, of me all men have, 
a deposit of feminine energy in them and a deposit of masculine energy. And it's about how that mix plays out for you. So there are women who have more masculine energy. There are men who have more feminine energy. Doesn't make the men pansies. Doesn't make the woman bulldogs, right? It is just human beings with an energy composition that we get to play around with in this world. And so for me, what I'm starting to really open up to as I reject less and less of myself, right? That's what therapy has done. Because the thing about therapy is you go into it trying to, I went in there trying to like heal my relationship with my dad, trying to figure out why am I still single? And there was one other thing. Oh, why do I keep burning out in my career? Those are my three questions that I went into therapy with. But in order to answer those questions, you have to kind of go back to what has made you who you are which is why I have a lot of self-awareness about my origin story, right? And now I can see why is Tenji the way Tenji is. And then from there, it's started saying, do you accept that this is who you are or do you reject it? I spent a lot of my life rejecting many parts of myself, like I've spoken about here. Also rejecting the truth of my story, right? All the things that had impacted me and that I was reacting and responding to. And once I found a safe place where I could start integrating the truth of my story, the truth of the parts of myself that I had exiled, I started being able to see that there were many parts of myself that I had been rejecting my whole life. And as I have healed more and more and felt safer and safer in this space within myself, I've felt more and more comfortable to actually just be me, right? That's why this podcast has a lot of authenticity themes in it, right? Because I have found that in integrating the parts of myself that I have rejected my whole life, I have become able to have more of me and therefore more of life because now more of me is flowing. And so as I have gone on this journey, the biggest thing I had to do was accept that I'd rejected many parts of myself and start owning the softness in myself and start reframing what the softness in myself meant, right? Even to use, so I have a, a newsletter that I um, have, you know, had on pause while I launch this podcast <laughs> and I'm going to go back to it and just tell everyone what's been going on there. But I you know, wrote a, a, a newsletter at the end of last year. It was, a I call it really a leadership letter. And I was talking about actually giving myself permission to be soft. Because even saying the word soft felt weak for me. And I immediately thought about, well, will all the CEOs who are in, who are following me and subscribing to this newsletter still respect me? If I start talking about, you know, my softness, will I look like I'm not as smart and intelligent and as capable of supporting them on their growth agenda? Because I am talking about things like wanting to be gentle, things like wanting to be soft, things like, you know, wanting to lean into the parts of me that I've always thought were weak, right? And I had to overcome that to even share that letter, right? And send it out. And even when I hit send, I went back and kept checking the stats to see how many people are opening the email. And then people started like sending me, you know, messages saying, thank you for that message. Like, I loved to hear it because it's almost a taboo topic to say, I actually just want to be delicate. <laughs> As a woman, 
in a corporate space, we face such pressure on both ends of us where men don't know what to do with us when we flow fully in our feminine energy and in, in our masculine energy, right? Because then we're seen as aggressive. We're called, um, we're told we're trampling over people. We're told that we're hard and impenetrable. We're told that we're not team players. When we're ex- displaying the same characteristics that are lauded in men, right? When men are being ambitious, when men want to achieve things and, and are setting agendas, they're called leaders. They're called, um, they, they bring about a sense of calm and trust and dependability in the people who look up to them and are following them. When women do those things, they inspire risk, right? They make people, they make men and other women in the workplace feel unsafe because now a woman is operating outside of what society has said a woman should be doing. We're supposed to be soft. We're supposed to be nurturing. We're supposed to be taking care of everyone. We're supposed to be mothering. So on the other end, men, men, excuse me, (coughs) engage with us, wanting us to be their mothers or to be their lovers or to be their baby sisters or to be their wives, right? And you see men doing this with the woman in their workplace. They say of these four buckets, which are the archetypes that women occupy in society, Tenju Amoyano, who's standing before me here as the junior executive for customer success, right? Is she my, is she a mothering energy? No, she's too young. Okay. She's not mothering energy. Is she, um, someone who I could date? No, she, she really doesn't have that kind of energy. Okay. Is she someone that I can caretake and kind of be my little baby sister? No, she is, um, too self-assured and (laughs) too independent, um, and confident. So what is Tenji? Because she's refusing to fit into one of those three categories, then I'm going to reject Tenji and say she's being too much because she makes me feel unsafe because I can't immediately put her into a bucket so that I know as a man how to relate with her, right? And so that puts women into this weird position where those traits that I'm talking about now, these softer traits, right? The, I want to come and actually nurture your growth and development and really give you opportunities, give you advice and feedback, open up doors for you so that you can go and thrive as this, you know, person that I'm managing on my team who is a male. For you, you relate to that to mothering, right? Because that's what your mom does. She takes care of you. She looks out for you. She opens doors and creates opportunities for you at home so that you can thrive. She makes space for you to play around in the things you're good at and really you know, supports and builds your self-esteem. So now, because that's reminding you of what your mom does, you start mothering me, right? But I'm not your mom. I'm not here to make you, to coddle you and make you feel warm and safe. So now when I need to come and deliver tough messages, right? The soft energy, right? Of, I want to, I want you to feel a sense of belonging and a place that feels warm where you can really perform at your peak and be you, right? And operate authentically on my team and bring your best skills to bear is now shooting me in the foot because you will not allow me to also have father energy, which is to, you know, give you feedback, give you guidance, give you tough messages, you know, disciplinary action when you step out of line. 
and hold you to a bar of performance, right? Because now my soft energy for you, either I can only embody soft energy or I have to only embody quote unquote hard energy. You won't let me have both. And I think this is what makes it challenging for us as women to own our softness and to flow in our softness. I've just talked about the mothering archetype, but you also get that with the, you know, wife slash girlfriend (laughs) archetype and the sister or best friend archetype, right? Nowhere are you able to just be the leader. Whereas men are allowed to just be a leader, right? People don't come to work looking for someone to, this, this boss to be my part and my father or to be like my, my boyfriend or to be like my older brother who's going to caretake for me and look out for me, right? It's, it happens significantly less to men. And so this is why it becomes hard for us as women in the workplace to really start owning our feminine energy and why for me it's, it's become hard. And I have clients coming to me saying they're having difficulty really managing their team members and they get a lot of resistance from their males and why and then when i explain this to them they're like oh my goodness i see it right and sometimes i actually have to speak to some of my clients and say are you mothering your boss (laughs) are you expecting them to take care of you and nurture you right or are you wanting them to just be like you know good times for you and you won't allow them to also be firm and directive right and 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 have structure and bring leadership and so that's one of the things that we're really up against i think you know when we start trying to embody and open up to our feminine energy and let it play right with our masculine energy it's it isn't always safe right because it is something that can be punished in a corporate environment Right. So how do we do more of owning our space and owning our energy when, you know, everyone around us is still expecting a us to execute or play our role as soft females. Right. Not everyone is ready for us to do both. Right. But I have found that increasingly permitting myself to flow as me without actually labeling whether something is masculine or feminine energy or soft or hard and strident and dominant and aggressive versus receptive and quote-unquote placid or whatever. I'm starting to just actually look at myself and call these things characteristics, right? I'm listening to really hear and understand what is being said. I'm voicing my perspective so that I can guide the answer and shape the direction that we move in, in a situation, in a coaching relationship, or in a leadership development journey that I'm, you know, shaping for a client, for their leaders, right? I'm listening very receptively, which is traditionally feminine energy, but I'll just call it listening. And then I'm also exerting influence, you know, shaping and directing and and pushing in 
um, and pushing back when a client doesn't believe that something is a real issue. And I know it's an issue and I've seen it as an issue and they're being in a bit of denial about it, right? Then I'm going to come and be directive and I'm going to be firmer, which is more masculine energy. And in the way that we work, our strength is in being able to bring both to the table, right? And not seeing the, the, the yielding and the listening and being really receptive as something weak because actually it helps you to get rich data and a rich understanding of the information so that when you do come in with your recommendation and you do become firm, you've created a space of trust and, and they know that you know what they know versus you just trying to push your agenda without considering their context and their experience as an example. And so it's helping me quite a bit to step away from the judgment of is a trait more masculine or feminine and to rather say how does it lend itself towards the outcome that we're trying to create here and when I'm able to do that I become more open to bringing more of myself to the table right and to letting myself flow in all the different parts of myself What's really nice is that there is a great movement as more and more women have been coming into the workplace. There's a lot of research coming out. I mean, McKinsey devoted a lot of energy into actually quantifying what is lost in terms of economic value from women not participating in the economy, from companies not being diverse. It started out as gender diversity, and I love so much that it's expanding into sexual diversity, gen um. I shouldn't say sexual, but whether you identify as a male or a female, age diversity, um, socioeconomic diversity, and you start seeing that we just get richer answers, right? A lot of, you know, leadership research houses and think tanks are also, you know, lauding the value of these qualities and no longer even naming them soft skills but calling them social skills, emotional intelligence, collaboration capabilities, right? Reframing these things away from the definition we've attached to them and therefore the value that the words we use to describe these things ascribe to these behaviors help to loosen up and open up space for us to from a place of neutrality to embrace these characteristics to open and bring them in right and I think the courage to actually call these things out is sometimes needed right so that so that we're able to actually have impact in these ways of relating right what I know for myself. Now, I don't have the answer, right? Because I know that, you know, corporate is still, the world around us is still very gender normative and patriarchy is thriving strong. But I believe that slowly, slowly society is awakening to the limitations of these patriarchally um, generated definitions and constraints that it places on men and women because I've spoken from the feminine experience because I'm a woman, but I can't tell you how many men I know who, for example, thinking of a social context, who embody feminine energy 
and are called weak for it and who aren't fully understood by their friends and their peers because they're choosing to lean into characteristics that men are not given permission to. Things like sharing their emotions, sharing when they're scared and, and showing insecurity and vulnerability and uncertainty. Things like leaning in to listen and showing that you actually give an F about the other person. Putting your necks on the line to defend your team, right? And, and to really create an environment or trying to build psychological safety. It's great that we're calling that psychological safety now, right? That's an awesome, empowering term for it. But how wonderful is it to create a, a space on your team where people can share when they're afraid, where people feel safe to take risks, where people feel loved and accepted for who they are and what they think. And knowing that I will be seen in this place, I can make mistakes, I can be me, right? I have a friend who, it's so interesting because he just blatantly loves his wife. My, my brother-in-law is another person who so blatantly loves his wife. And a very interesting thing happens where they're so divergent in this African context of, you know, being that badass male who doesn't give a fuck about what his wife thinks and isn't in his wife's apron strings and isn't being controlled by his wife, blah, 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 right? And so there's these men who will often embody this, I don't care attitude, but then their families fall apart. And then they look at these men who are like my brother-in-law or like one of my really good friends who's married to one of my close friends. And they envy their marriages. But they have disdain for the very characteristics in these men and the behaviors in these men that nurture awesome marriages and healthy, stable family environments. And so they're stuck in this trap of both um, looking down on the very thing that will bring them the joy, abundance, and peace that they long for and crave in their marriages, the love that they wish that they could have. And this is why this thing about like rejecting quote-unquote softness or parts of ourselves that are seen as weak is to the detriment of all of us. So what I really... I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to come and change the world, right? I'm not, I'm not going to go and like, I am by virtue of recording this podcast, preaching from my soapbox, right? Wherever I can, I try and speak about how much patriarchy has men and women in the chokehold. Because the reality is because men are the custodians of patriarchy, they are pushed into a box where they have to act like they love it. Yet they know that it's got them as trapped as women. And so I always want to appeal to men to say, you know, how wonderful would it be for you to be able to not know what to do and for it to be safe for you to be able to say that you don't know what you're doing so that you could actually get help with what you're doing. And so that you wouldn't feel so alone and lonely and trying to get to the answer. And so that you wouldn't feel um, like you couldn't be who you are. Because when you can't say 
that you don't know and you have to pretend that you know, you're suddenly living in a huge amount of stress and anxiety to perform and project something you're not. How on earth are you going to perform well with that degree of stress weighing you down? With the inability to be honest about what you think and what you're feeling and what you want and what you don't want and what you can and what you can't do. You can't actually be a human because to be human is to be fallible, is to be learning and discovering and experiencing, right? And so what I want for all of us, and that's partly what this you know, podcast I'm hoping will do, is to have a voice out there that can maybe put to words what you've been feeling. If you're a woman and you've been really feeling crucified for being outgoing and directive because you're seen as overly aggressive and you've been struggling to bring to work the things that make you an effective partner and family manager in your nuclear family and your extended family, right? That ability to really, you know, nurture and bring out the best in people from a soft perspective. Because by the way, like I'm a person who my best work doesn't come out in an environment where I'm being disparaged all the time or told I'm not good enough or all my flaws are being highlighted. I do my best work when I feel celebrated, wanted and desired. And so positive affirmation is so amazing to bring about loyalty, commitment, um, determination, deeper sense of responsibility, um, a thirst for growth and really taking my development areas head on and addressing them. All of that stuff is so, so empowered and triggered or ignited in me when I feel celebrated and wanted and desired. And so those are things that if you now feel as a woman, like you can't bring the aspects of yourself that bring that to the surface and bring that out in your team, then you're not actually going to be as effective of a leader as you can be. So it actually is in your best interest to start owning your personal and individual softness and letting it seep into the way that you lead so that you can be balanced. I'm never here saying you should throw away the masculine aspects at the in, in service of the feminine aspects. I'm always saying integrate, bring it in, right? Bring it into duality so that you're balanced, right? So that you can flow across both sides of the divide, right? In, in different situations, you can do what is called for. And now your toolkit is richer, right? You're able to bring to the situation more so that you can have better outcomes, right? And I invite men into the same. But because there's so much resistance, right, in our minds, so much conditioning, so much messaging from society that tells us that we ain't shit if we do these things, if we operate in softness and gentleness and fluidity and talk about flow, all these things that are called like, you know, um, woo-woo <laughs> or weak or like pansy shit, right? Even those words, right? They just speak to the extent of conditioning that is pulling us away from being able to do this work. That's why for me, what freed me was therapy. Because in therapy and in coaching, I was able to start seeing the identities that I had attached to these behaviors, that, you know, the identity that I had, that I felt would secure me a great future, 
provided that I did not display certain characteristics, right? The things I was heavily trying to protect, the things I was afraid of, the traumas I experienced when I displayed those characteristics of, for example, emotionality, right? Actually expressing emotions. (laughs) Why or why are we punished for being human? Because emotions are human. We all have them, right? But so many of us can't even let ourselves express them. So I needed to go to a place where I could do the heart level healing needed to be able to now flow in the truth, right? To be able to embrace those aspects of myself and not run away from them, right? And not push them back, not mitigate them. And so that is what I hope for, for you, right? That if you're struggling with this, just go speak to someone or do the internal inquiry, asking yourself the questions that I've kind of spoken through, right? What, what terrifies you the most about embodying or displaying this behavior? What has made you shun this behavior? How were you punished in the past when you displayed this behavior? But how, when you have shown this behavior, has it also rewarded you? What are the gifts of this behavior to you? How can you, um, what becomes available for you when you express this behavior and when you, when you don't suppress it? How do you feel? Okay, I feel terrified. I feel at risk. Okay, how can you learn to um, accept that feeling, move through that feeling so that the feeling and the fear of feeling that way doesn't prevent you from embodying this really high expression of this behavior or this characteristic or this energetic softness, right? If you can do that internal inquiry and start loosening some of the barriers to you being this way, then you'll be able to flow a lot more in these traits. If you can start seeing the parts of you that have been called soft and understand how they're actually strengths to your leadership toolkit, you'll start reframing them and befriending them, and slowly with time integrating them into the way you move. So look, that was just my story. That's what I wanted to share. I want this podcast to be a place where you get to explore topics that aren't spoken about a lot from a real perspective. I do a lot of sharing my personal story because, you know, I who what I look like on the outside, right, when you look at my CV, isn't the full picture of who I am on the inside. And I just want this podcast to be a place where we get to debunk a lot of myths. And we, I, I want to create safety for us to be able to face and own and bring to bear the truth of who we are so that we can really have more flow, freedom, and abundance in our careers. If you are someone who is um, actually wanting to flow more in your authenticity, and to use that as a way to bring more opportunities towards yourself and to advance in your organization. The way that I really designed the Get Promoted program, that the link is in the show notes if you go uh, check it out. I designed the program so that it would embrace who you are. I am not an advocate of changing who you are, um, adopting more masculine traits, speaking in more corporate ease, and um, pushing back into the back burner 
the things about yourself that you think are weak, that you think aren't the beautiful aspects of your story or don't project confidence, assurance, etc. But actually owning your story and using that as a way to actually tell the truth of who you are and build followership, build relationships with people who start seeing you as a resilient, full-bodied, um, really balanced individual who can appeal to both men and women, people in diverse circumstances, clients who come to you feeling vulnerable and uncertain about the direction to take for their companies or the right solution to use, and how the traits that you have make you excellent at doing your job. When you're able to weave that into your value proposition, it is the most powerful way to advance in your career because then you're being rewarded for being you and not for being an actress or actor. So check it out if you're looking for a way to be authentic to who you are and to integrate all the parts of you and still get ahead and move up in your organization. All right. I hope this episode has blessed you. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's inspired you to take action that brings you closer to leading as the truest version of your abundant self. If you enjoyed this episode, please would you consider leaving a five-star rating and following the podcast. It really helps other people like you to find me and benefit from this free leadership resource. Yours in abundance. Until next time.